Well, on behalf of Crossview Church's elder board and staff, I just want to extend again a happy Easter to you as we celebrate this day where Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. People can tell you about a life experience, but until you actually go through it yourself, you'll never really, really know what it's like. Isn't that true? Uh, If you think of any major life decision, whether it be, you know, to get married or to fall in love or to graduate high school or to have a cancer diagnosis or to uh, become a grandparent, whether it's good or bad in life, people can, who have gone before can tell you what it's like, but it never really sinks down into your heart until you've experienced it yourself. I'm so glad that what we celebrate today Jesus Christ risen from the dead was not something that God left in some religious story. It wasn't something that God sealed up in some theological safe only for the experts to look at, but it's something that comes into real life for us to grab a hold of. The resurrected presence of Jesus is something that can be experienced in ordinary life each and every day. God made the story of Easter, the story of his resurrection, real. God made it come to life on earth. God made it so it would meet us right where we are at in life, each and every day. No matter where we find ourselves, what we celebrate this morning is real. And it will make a difference in our lives. We know this because the Easter story showed up in a very ordinary yet human way. It showed up in a conversation between two friends. Can you imagine they were walking along the road, and if it was uh, like today, we could probably say that the Easter story showed up in a conversation over coffee. These two friends were walking along the road, and I'd like to tell the story uh, to you. And if you have a Bible, feel free to open it to Luke chapter 24. If you're new to the Bible, Luke is kind of three-quarters of the way through. You'll see Matthew, Mark, and then you get to Luke. We'll be at number 24. I'll be starting at verse 13. If you have an electronic version, I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Also, if you have our app, the Church Center app, you can follow along there as well. In this story, we see two people having a conversation, and the resurrected Jesus appears. Luke 24, starting at 13 to 16. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, you see the real life there? Arguing, discussing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. These are two ordinary men who were part of a group of ordinary men and women who were following Jesus Christ. They were raised in a Jewish uh, religion. They were raised in a Jewish home. They learned all the good Jewish things. And now this man, Jesus, comes on the scene. He starts talking about relationship with him and what it means to follow God is no longer about following Torah, but about following him. And they are all in. They give their lives to him. They believe in what he says. They trust him. But now all of a sudden, they thought he was going to take the throne of the empire at the time, rule and reign, and they just watched him die on a cross. They're confused. 
They're bewildered. They don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, as they're arguing and discussing and processing all this real-life stuff, Jesus shows up on the road with them and begins to walk with them. But he comes as a stranger. They don't recognize who he is. They did not recognize it at the time. But this stranger was the resurrected Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection comes into real, ordinary life. The resurrection comes into places of confusion. The resurrection comes in places of doubt. The resurrection comes in places of heartbreak. The resurrection did not stay in the halls of religion, but it became real as Jesus arrived on that pathway. His presence makes a real difference. His presence brings peace in the storms of anxiety. His presence brings clarity to confusion. His presence removes fear and doubt. The resurrected presence is as real today as it was then. And what we're going to see in the rest of this story is three experiences that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first one is this. We have a restoring presence. We have a restoring presence. The presence of Jesus comes to restore our weary and tired souls. These two gentlemen in this story were tired. They were disillusioned. They were weary. They were depressed. They were confused. They were trying to figure out what was happening. They were quick to argue. They were on edge. They just witnessed this crucifixion and their hopes were completely shattered. Then Jesus, the resurrected, comes on the scene and look at what he says. Look what happens in 17 to 24. Then he asked them, what is the dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these days? Basically he's saying, have you been living under a rock like the last two days? Don't you, didn't you know what's happening? And I love how Jesus responds here in verse 19. He just looks at him and says, oh, what things? What things have happened? as he stands there resurrected. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. They were confused. They were processing. They didn't know what's happening. You see, they thought that this Jesus Messiah was going to come because under this, at this point in time in the ancient world, the Jewish people were under the rule of the Roman Empire. They were oppressing them. And they thought this idea of Messiah, when Jesus comes, he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire, sit on the throne, and he's going to be king, and we're going to be all in this kingdom because we are with him. And then he dies. That wasn't part of the plan. That was making them disillusioned. But then all of a sudden they hear about this rumbling that some friends went to this grave and it was empty. And they're trying to figure out what happened. 
And in the midst of this dealing with the pain of seeing him die and all their dreams dashed to now hearing he might be alive, they're trying to put all this together. And look at what Jesus does in verse 25. He said to them, How foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter his glory? Then beginning with, the Mo- beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. See, this thing called the resurrection didn't just happen. It was predicted years and years and years beforehand. And he graciously came to them and said, let me take what you've studied all your life as Jewish people, the Old Testament, and let me show you how from the Old Testament to now, it's been predicted, it's been talked about, it's been explained that one day Messiah will come, not to throw an earthly kingdom, his kingdom is bigger than that. It's to bring peace between sinful human race and a holy God, and he's going to go to a cross, and he's going to die, and then he will rise again. It's bigger. And I love how Jesus goes back to all the familiar stories these two would have known. He goes back to all the things that they cherish because he cares and he knew that the way I can bring clarity is to go back with what they know. He meets them where they're at in the midst of the confusion. He meets them where they're at in the midst of the pain and he brings truth, but he does so by bringing comfort as well and mercy as well. He restored their weary souls because he is a restoring presence. Music icon Sting in his autobiography called Broken Music wrote this about when he bought his first bass guitar. He said, I've had my eye on this second-hand Fender in the back of Barrett's music store. It's a worn-out relic of the 60s. The paintwork ruined, the varnish flaked off. Among all the other shiny ones on the wall, there was something different about this guitar. There was something orphaned about it. Something life-scarred about this instrument that appealed to me. I have absolutely no desire for a new, shiny bass. I want something with a history, where every scratch and dent in the varnish has a tale to tell. What were the dreams and aspirations of those who owned it? Why was it sold? What were the circumstances? I am convinced that I can pick up the trail where it was left. You see, the resurrected presence of Jesus does that to a human soul. It takes a soul that was scratched and dent and beat up and worn out and restores it. Jesus loves to bring restoring presence to tired, weary, and broken souls. He loves bringing restoration. Do you feel weary? Do you feel worn out from 2020? Do you feel broken? What we celebrate this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, can renew your soul no matter what you've experienced or gone through this last year. Jesus loves to restore the soul. And not only in the resurrected presence do we have a restoring presence, but we also have a redeeming presence. Look at verses 28 to 32. It says they came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to him, just like he did before his crucifixion. 
Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road, explaining the scriptures to us? The resurrected Jesus comes, and he makes the connection for them that this is the Savior who went to the cross, who's now resurrected, and he brings a redeeming presence. To be redeemed means to be bought with a price. Redemption is purchasing one's debt to bring freedom. The Bible teaches that every human being, every single one of us, has this debt called sin. To sin means to miss the mark. And the Bible says every single one of us, me and all of you here, we've all missed the mark in one way or another. None of us can come into this place and say we've lived a perfect life. None of us can do that. All of us have done things, many of which we regret, and many people search for a way to be free from the guilt or shame or regret. Jesus is a redeeming presence that sets us free. We now have somewhere to go with our regret. We now have somewhere to go with our guilt. We now have somewhere to go with our shame because the resurrected Jesus redeems us His resurrection completes God's amazing plan to bring this broken, sinful humanity back into relationship with a holy God. His resurrection, what we celebrate today, completes that plan. God created human beings because he wanted to be in relationship with them. And he related to them perfectly. And then in Genesis 3, it tells us that the human race rebelled against God. They turned and followed their own ways, disobeying what God had established. And at that point, sin and brokenness entered the world, and the human race and the human condition has been affected by it ever since. There was a break that happened between sinful human race and a holy God. But here's where we get it wrong. So many of us see that separation and we think that God the Father looks down on that separation and says, ha, I told you so. You can't measure up. Or why don't you do something to clean yourself off? Or why don't you come back? Or you know what? You blew it. I'm done with you. But all of those are lies. God the Father looked at the sinful separation of the human race that was sinful and a holy God and it broke his holy heart because he's a being of love and mercy and grace. And moved with love, he put a plan in action. You see, he didn't just have sympathy in that moment. He had compassion that led to action. And in that moment, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to go to earth to live the perfect life that you and I can't, then to go to a cross and pay for the penalty of our sin by dying on that cross. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he authenticated everything he said and did because death can no longer hold him. There is no other place for you to go for a new heart and a clean conscience than Jesus Christ. Jesus died in your place so you don't have to face the judgment of God. If you go to him, you can receive a new heart and a clean conscience. There was a Vietnam veterans parade in Chicago not that long ago. And they took a replica of the Vietnam Memorial Wall in Washington, D.C., and they brought it to Chicago. And veterans from 
hours and hours away drove in to see this replica of this wall. One veteran in particular was being interviewed by the news, and he came 10 hours away. And the newscaster said, why did you come all this way to be here? And the man broke down sobbing uncontrollably. And he's trying to pull it together. And he put his hand on the wall on a name. And he said, I came here because of this man right here. This man died for me. And it's the only reason I'm standing here. That man tried to wrap his mind around the gift that was given to him through that one who died. He tried to wrap his heart around. He tried to figure it out. He was there just processing this, trying to figure out how could there be such a love? How could there be something like that that could happen? And as he wrapped his mind around it, he just was etching the name that was on his, the wall, the name of his friend. And when the news clip ended, the sobbing soldier sat there with tears flowing down his face, tracing the name of his friend who gave up his life for him. It was hard for that man to figure that out. It was hard for that man to wrap his mind around it. We have that same problem too. Because somebody gave their life for us that we could have eternal life. And that's what we celebrate this morning. Sometimes we lose sight of the importance of that. Today we remember and celebrate that this resurrected presence is a redeeming presence. The dead, buried, and resurrected Jesus sets us free from guilt and sin that we could come into the presence of God and be with him forever if we invite him in. I love in verse 32, these two guys who were walking, talking, they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he was explaining who he was through the scriptures? You see, that's what happens when you encounter redeeming presence. Your heart burns within you because there's this love and this freedom and this joy and this soul satisfaction that you cannot find any other place except the resurrected Jesus Christ. And finally... In this resurrection, not only is there a restoring presence, not only is there a redeeming presence, but there's also a reviving presence. Look at verses 33 and 36. That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, The Lord has truly been raised and appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. You see, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And by doing that, he brings life and his reviving presence to our lives. Study after study after study shows that one of the biggest fears human beings have is the fear of death. It's the great unknown. We don't know what's going to happen but because of the resurrection and what we celebrate this morning, we no longer have to fear death. Death is no longer the end. Death is the beginning to eternal life, to life that is, has pleasures forevermore, for life where there is no pain, is no suffering, is no sickness, and it's eternal. The resurrected Jesus gives us new life. And the Bible teaches us that immediately after we die, we will be in the presence of Jesus. And what decides if you spend eternity with him is what you do with him now while we're on earth. You no longer have to fear death. 
Death is something that you no longer have to fear because of the resurrected Jesus. All you have to do is invite him into your life and you'll experience peace, life, pleasures that will last for eternity, soul satisfaction that brings your heart to rest. You see, the living Christ was really present with these two who walked along this dusty, ancient road. He was present in their conversation. He was present in their confusion and their pain and their sorrow. And that same Jesus is present with us as well. Just as he was present with those two on the road, his presence is here among us. His restoring, redeeming, and reviving presence is here with us this morning. Whatever your circumstances are today, they are not hopeless. Cleopas and his friends thought it was hopeless. They were confused, but the resurrected Jesus met them where they are and gave them hope, and their hearts burned within them, and this experience with God changed everything. Whether we are weary and need restoration, whether we have regrets and shame and need cleansing, whether we fear death and need reviving, or whether we face a situation right now that feels desperate, horrifying, and hopeless, the resurrected Jesus Christ is here this morning. And if you invite him into those places in your life, you can get to that spot where your heart can burn within you as you sense his presence enfold you and take you in. God does not mess around with us. He loves us, and he makes it easy. And all we have to do is pray, Jesus, please come into my life in this situation. No matter where you're at right now, no matter what you're facing, that's all you have to do is say, Jesus, would you come into this situation? That is a powerful, powerful prayer. No matter where you are or what you've done, you can pray that prayer. And that brings the presence of God into your midst. And nothing would give God more joy than for us, his people this morning, and those who may be hearing this for the first time, say, Jesus, will you come into my life in this situation? He loves to come in and intervene in the lives of his people. And he has the power and the authority to do that because he is no longer dead. He has risen from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your heart is represented in the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you love bringing tired, broken, banged up souls and restoring them by your love and your grace. We thank you that you love taking souls full of regret and remorse and guilt and giving us a clean slate, a clean heart. We thank you that we no longer have to fear the unknown of death because you have broken the power of death through what you did by rising from the dead. God, I ask you to meet us where we are today and that you, just as you became so real to these two along the road, you'll be real to us in our lives as well. And we give you the honor and the glory that's due your name because of this. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.